Dear Colgate, I love that you love that I love being at home. You even let me whiten my teeth from home. Because you know how I feel about getting up from my cloud couch. The Colgate Optic White LED Kit gives professional level results in just 10 minutes a day for 10 days when used as directed. And that's why, Colgate, I want you to meet my parents. Because ever since meeting you, I've been living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's April 9th, 2021, and this is episode 287. You are invited to join me and sort of awesome regular Katie Proctor as we share some of our readerly confessions from judging books by their covers to nearly ending relationships over spoilers to Fifty Shades of Grey and Flowers in the Attic and so much more, you guys. We have so many of our own confessions of the bookish variety to share with you, plus some really great readerly confessions from the awesomes. I'm Meg Teets, and this is Sort of Awesome. Welcome back, awesomes, to the show that is all about helping you find conversation, friendship, and community. We hope that you know that you have found your way to the most awesome community of women that exists on the internet right now. You can find our community all over the place. We're on YouTube and TikTok. Of course, we're on Facebook and Instagram. Basically, if amazing women are hanging out there, you're going to find Sort of Awesome there too. And if you found your way over here from our daily podcast, Awesome Today, welcome Awesome Today fam to the big show. Katie, you're back. You guys know if Katie is on the show, we're going to be talking all about books and reading. And Katie, you had such a fun idea for this week's show. In fact, I was a little impressed with how many confessions you had already come up with. <laughs> it's a little embarrassing, but I'm really excited to share them. <laughs> well, I think this is such a fun idea. Of course, I'm sort of awesome through the years. We have shared so many confessions from our lives. I feel there's probably not much that anybody doesn't know about my life at this point. <laughs> but those are the most fun episodes. So I figured we should have a book one because yes, it exactly. makes it a little more fun. Exactly. And as you know, somebody who reads, you're a reading enthusiast, you're an author yourself, you know that we all have like our little reading quirks, of course, our little things that are very specific to us as readers. And then there's those funny ways that our reading enthusiasm, our passion for reading influences the rest of our life. So yes, we have got some really great ones. I cannot wait to dig into our confessions. And then you guys, we have a spinoff group. Our main hangout on Facebook is called the Sort of Awesome Hangout. We hope all of you are over there because it's a great place to be. And because there are thousands and thousands of women there, over time, we have created these spinoff groups where people can go and talk about more specific topics. One of my favorites, one of the most active ones that I'm always learning from is called Sort of Book Nerds. And so Katie and I popped into Sort of Book Nerds to ask the readerly awesomes, hey, what confessions do you have about your books and reading life? So Katie and I went through that list. We pulled out some of our favorites to share. We're going to get to those later in the show. But first, Katie, let's go ahead and start this show the way we always do with our awesomes of the week. 
It's the moment in the show where we stop and talk about whatever's awesome in life right now, whether it's a book, maybe, probably, <laughs> or a TV show, a podcast, a product, just whatever is making life really great right now. Katie, I can't wait to hear what you have. Okay, so I do have a book this week for book podcasting. <laughs> yep. And this book is not out yet, but it will be out soon. So I wanted to tell you, it's called Dear White Peacemakers. Yes. Dismantling Racism with Grit and Grace. And it is by one of our own awesomes, Oshita Moore. And she is amazing. I read her first book, Shalom Sisters, because you guys talked about it on Sorta Awesome. Yes. And when I read that one, I just felt like I was in a coffee shop with a best friend. And this book is the same. She is so gracious, but she's honest and hard-hitting. And she talks about a lot of things within this anti-racism work that can be a little bit uncomfortable, but she talks about it in a way that makes it really accessible. Yes. And this book is kind of like her love letter to white peacemakers. Mm. So to those of us who want to work towards an anti-racist society, but don't really know where we fit into that work, she does a really good job of laying out some of the things that we can do and then some of the boundaries that we need to hold. And also she just makes me feel so encouraged in this when it can be kind of discouraging sometimes. So I really loved it. I also think one of the things that I took away from it, one of my favorite major points is that she wants everybody to see other people as beloved. If you don't see everybody else that you interact with as a beloved of God, a beloved of yours, then you're going to have a really hard time doing any kind of bridge building work or yes. any kind of mm. reconciliation kind of type thing. So I loved that part of it. I just love this whole book. I could go on forever, but I won't. It does come out May 18th and it is available for pre-order right now. And pre-orders are super important to authors. I don't think the general public knows that as much. Pre-order numbers are really important to authors. So if you guys would hop on, we can put a link in the show notes for the pre-order for this book. And it is wonderful. And that is called Dear White Peacemakers, Dismantling Racism with Grit and Grace by Oshita Moore. Yay, I just got chill thumbs all up and down my arms when you were talking about the actual release date. Many of us do know Oshita because she is such a beautiful, strong, enthusiastic part of our community. And we did enjoy her first book. She's been on the show several times. And this book is, it's packed with power and I cannot wait for its release to the public at large. I can't believe it's finally here, knowing the months and months of work and heart work and soul work that she has put into this. So thank you for bringing it as awesome of the week. We absolutely will have it as a link in our show notes today too. So, okay, Katie, my awesome of the week is a documentary. It's sort of an unlikely one for me, but a little bit of background on this, as I was telling you off mic, this week has been a challenge in our house. Nico, our almost two-year-old, brought home a tummy bug from daycare, I guess. He got a little bit sick with it, but then Katie, oh my gosh. It seems to magnify as oh, it goes through each gosh. person, right? Yes, it the worst. has. It has. So earlier this week, both the twins and I, all three of us came down within hours of each other. So we decamped to the downstairs, quarantined ourselves off from the rest of the family who fled to the upstairs. And so... I don't want to get into the nitty gritty of it, but I was up late into the night, both sick myself and tending to sick eight-year-old boys who for the first time, the twins are eight. I've been doing twin parenting for a long time. This was the very first time, Katie, very first time simultaneous puking <laughs> with the twins. I was like, well, I had a good run, I guess. <laughs> we had a good run. I do feel like I've reached a new level 
of mothering. I need a new gold star or something because that was not my favorite. (laughs) But since I was up late into the night and they were in and out of sleep, I wasn't feeling great, obviously. I just turned on Netflix. And for the first time in a long time, I really was, Netflix, just tell me what to watch. I cannot make any decisions right now. One of the first things they suggested for me is a little documentary called The Last Blockbuster. Have you heard of this? No, I haven't. Okay. It dropped on Netflix last month. It's a little documentary that sort of context for the documentary is profiling the very last blockbuster store that is open right now in Bend, Oregon. So that's kind of the framing for the documentary. But what they do, director Taylor Morden goes in and kind of looks at what happened to Blockbuster. And was it because of Netflix that Blockbuster died out? It kind of goes into the history of Blockbuster, how Netflix interacted with that. In fact, I don't know if this is urban legend or if this is true fact, but it is stated that Reed Hastings, who founded Netflix, did it because he had a $40 overdue fee at Blockbuster. And he was, there's got to be a better way. And so he basically invented what we now know as Netflix. That was back in 1997. So of course, way pre-streaming and those types of things. But it's such a slice of nostalgia for those of us who grew up with going to Blockbuster either with your family, with your date, with your girlfriends as you're getting ready to have a big slumber party, whatever context for watching movies that you were getting together for, that trip to Blockbuster and going up and down the aisles and trying to decide what do we pick, it really allows you to kind of relive that whole experience while looking at the business model of Blockbuster. But it's not boring. It does not get into the weeds at all. It's definitely more human interest. It's not critical of like any Netflix model or Blockbuster model. It's really just fun and very soothing and comforting. And when I was up late at night with sick kids, it was just the right thing. And I keep thinking about it. I don't know. It's just such a moment in time, the Blockbuster thing. Now, Katie, you're younger than me. Was Blockbuster part of your sort of movie? This is part of my movie experience as a kid, teen, Oh yeah, it definitely was. My sister and I, we would go every Friday and pick out something and we would always rent the same movie over and over again. I don't know why we didn't end up just buying them, but (laughs) we rented them over and over. I actually was cleaning out a wallet probably only two years ago and found a Blockbuster card. So that had been in there for like a really long time. (laughs) And when my husband and I first got married, which was 13 years ago, we still had a Blockbuster near our first apartment. So we would go all the time to movies. So that sounds really interesting documentary. It really is fun. It's just kind of lighthearted. If you just need a little break from reality and want to have a little flashback to your youth, it's really fun. So again, it's streaming on Netflix right now. It's called The Last Blockbuster. So that was pretty awesome for me this week. So we will put links in the show notes as we always do for our awesomes of the week. Also stay tuned because Katie and I are saving some of our awesome for the week to the end of the episode after we get through all of the confessions. Stay tuned. We have a little bit more bonus awesome to share with you. But in the meantime, this is a great reminder. If you have not connected with one of our communities on social media, we would really love to have you join us. We are over on Instagram at Sort of Awesome Show where we share things about the show. We highlight our awesomes of the week. We highlight things that our awesomes are up to. We would love to have you join us over there. We have so much fun going on over there. Thanks to our new social media director, Lori Lynn. And then our longtime community where many of us have been hanging out together for years. 
you're welcome to join us there. You will be embraced with open arms, even if you are brand new to the awesome community. And that's on Facebook. I mentioned it at the top of the show, but facebook.com slash group slash sort of awesome hangout is where you can find the heart and soul of our awesome community. We would love to have you join us there. So we have so many fun bookish confessions to get to. We're going to get to all of those when we come right back. Happy spring, awesomes. One of our favorites is back this week to help you get ready to get outdoors this season. And that, of course, is Billy. Now, I've been shaving my legs for decades, you guys. And, you know, those first few shaves of the season, they always left me with nicks and cuts. I honestly thought that was just how shaving had to be with razors made for men from the drugstore. All of that changed for the better when I met Billy. Billy is the best razor out there for the days when you want an extra smooth shave. When you go to mybilly.com, you can get their starter kit for just $9. It is so affordable and it gives you their award-winning razor, two refill blades, and of course, their cult favorite magnetic holder. My girls and I are absolutely obsessed with Billy razors. You do not even need to use a shave cream, shave soap, nothing. The magic of the Billy razor is it does everything all on its own if you want it to. Not only are we obsessed, but so many of our Awesomes are also obsessed with Billy razors because they truly give you a shave unlike anything you've ever experienced before. So this is a great time to go get yourself all set up for the spring season and to express a little love for Sword Awesome. Go to mybilly.com slash awesome. It's a small way you can support us while getting the best razor you will ever own. It's just $9 to get your starter kit plus free shipping always. Go to mybilly.com slash awesome. That's spelled my B-I-L-L-I-E dot com slash awesome. Hey friends, as we head into this new season, I'm wondering if you are ready to take a break from meal planning, from grocery shopping, and maybe give your family's weekly menu a little bit of a spring freshening up. You can do all of that with America's best value meal kit, Every Plate. With Every Plate, you get meals you'll enjoy and your bank account will love. It's all delivered right to your door, contact free. Every Plate dinners are the less expensive and more fulfilling alternative to takeout or delivery you definitely get more bang for your buck. The recipes come together in about 30 minutes, which is actually faster than a trip to the grocery store and starting a meal from scratch. In our last Every Plate box, we got all of the ingredients and a fun recipe card to make gooey stuffed pork burgers with barbecue onion and crispy potato wedges. Something I super love about Every Plate's recipe cards are they are so simple to follow. My kids can cook alongside me. They love to see the whole meal come together. And honestly, I have found they are better eaters when it's food that they themselves have helped to cook. And Every Plate offers a changing menu of 14 recipes per week. They feature a range of flavors and ingredients, so you and your family are never going to get bored. You may be skeptical thinking about how meal kits are so expensive, but with Every Plate, you can get all of that deliciousness, all of that convenience, all at a much lower price. So awesome. This is a great time of year. Go try Every Plate for just $1.99 per meal. Plus an additional 20% off of your next two boxes by going to everyplate.com and entering code AWESOME199. Get started with Every Plate for just $1.99 per meal, plus an additional 20% off of another two weeks by going to everyplate.com and entering code AWESOME199. All right, Katie, again, this was such a fun idea. I cannot wait to dig into some of these. Some of them, I was like, I think I maybe have shared these on the show, I can't remember, but they're worth mentioning again. But since this was your idea, and it's so great. I'm so looking forward to this conversation. I'm going to let you kick us off with your first readerly confession. Okay, so my first one comes with kind of a backstory. 
So I started reading Harry Potter when I was in seventh grade, I think. And I have a distinct memory of opening the first book in my math class. I don't know, in seventh grade, (laughs) but really was in love with Harry Potter. Well, so the fifth book came out in 2003. I had to look this up and I was volunteering at vacation Bible study that week because it came out in the summer and some little kid told me the ending of Harry Potter number five. And I was so frustrated. And if you know the ending of Harry Potter number five, devastating. Oh, yes. Yes. So I was prepared for number six, right? It's going to come to my house on the day of release, or I might've made my dad go to Barnes and Noble or something to grab the sixth one. Yeah. Well, I had told my then boyfriend that I was in love with Harry Potter and wanted to read it and couldn't wait to read it. And he is not a reader and decided to divulge the ending of number six to me because he heard it on the radio somewhere. So shame on those people. No, this is all wrong. I'm freaking out all over the place with this one. It's bad. And so I really took a moment to contemplate whether this person was somebody I needed to continue dating because he did not understand my A, love for Harry Potter and my B, hatred of book spoilers. And so he ruined the ending of Harry Potter number six. Luckily, I chose not to dump him because I am married to him now. (laughs) So it turned out okay. But by the time the seventh book came out, I was like, this book is coming to my house. I am not talking to a single person until this book is over. And I did. I think I read that book in 24 hours. I did not eat. I did not sleep until that book was done because nobody was going to ruin the seventh book for me. That was not going to happen. Oh my gosh. I'm still reeling from the fact that a kid spoiled book number five for you. I didn't read Harry Potter until I was an adult. The series had long since concluded by the time I read it. I do not to this day know how I escaped without any spoilers, but I read that entire series and I cannot imagine the devastation of somebody telling you the ending, especially as the books go on. Right. And those two endings, I felt five and six are really pivotal endings. You can't spoil those. Oh my gosh. You have so much grace in your heart. He is a lucky man. (laughs) (laughs) Is he still a spoilery person? Does he like to do that? I think we had a conversation and I was, this is something that can never happen again in our lifetime. So (laughs) he knows now we don't spoil the endings of books. That's so funny. The reason I ask is because there are people who do take great delight in just spoiling all the things. So, well, and when I was teaching fourth grade, I would tell my kids this story because Mm -hmm. I would say, even if we were reading a book together, I was reading it out loud. I'm like, if you've seen the movie, if you have read this book yourself, you may not spoil this book because that spoils the whole fun of it. So we're not going to do any spoilers in this class. It was kind of a rule. No spoilers in here. So that is a very solid rule for sure. Before we get too much further into this, Katie and I did talk about, we want to make sure that everybody knows that all of our confessions, we don't want to provoke shame for anybody, right? Right. We definitely believe that you should love what you love. (laughs) Yes. And all reading is good reading. Even if, Mm. I mean, my husband likes to read weird things about the stock market now. That's reading. He's reading. He's not reading books, but he's reading that. And so I think we just need to say all reading is good reading. You like what you like. And there's no shame in any of that. Absolutely. That is so true. We have this discussion often in the Hangout group and in various reading groups around the internet. My kid only wants to read graphic novels, but if that's not really reading good stuff, I'm with you. I feel strongly that all reading is good reading. So for sure, we are not here to spoil anybody. We're just having fun at our own expense, honestly, with most of this. Yes. (laughs) 
Okay, now I think that I have shared on the show before this first one. First of all, the umbrella of this, Katie, is that I am an easy crier. I cry. Oh, same. I cry same. all the time. I actually really did used to have a lot of shame around that. And as I've grown older and just grown into who I am, I'm just an easy crier. And if that makes you uncomfortable, I'm sorry, but that's just me. (laughs) And so you can imagine that from the time I was a child onward that I have cried at a lot, a lot, a lot of books, but I didn't realize how significant that was until I was a teacher, speaking of being a teacher. And so when I was doing my student teaching, I taught seventh grade language arts And we were, one of the books that we covered was Where the Red Fern Grows. Have you read this one? Yes. It was read to me by my fourth grade teacher that I still haven't forgiven. Yes. Exactly. Okay. Well, somehow, even though I believe the author is from Oklahoma, if I'm remembering this correctly, it has been a minute since I thought about Where the Red Fern Grows. But somehow, even as an adult, I had never read the book. And so as a good, earnest very serious student teacher. I read the book ahead of time to obviously prepare my lessons and those types of things. And when I got to the end, I mean, I was just absolutely sobbing. And then I realized that I had to read it out loud to children. And so I had to, Katie, in our little apartment, our little married student housing apartment, this we were freshly married, Kyle and I were And this is my first time teaching. And here I am teaching this book that has such an emotional ending. And I was like, how am I going to do this? So I made myself in our apartment read through the ending out loud to nobody until I could get through it without crying. (laughs) And it took like four times or something. It's a good strategy. (laughs) To read it out loud. But I will say too, that reminded me of the very first time that a book absolutely destroyed me. And I was like, I'm never going to read again because this is Uh, a hard one. Yes. For me, the book that really first broke my heart was Bridge to Terabithia, which was written by Catherine Patterson in 1977. I had no idea. That book is as old as I am. Listen, that book is not allowed in my house. I am not a book banner, but that book is not allowed in my home because I cannot even look at the cover of it. It was a very traumatizing, that one. Thank you so much for saying that. I feel so seen <laughs> in this moment. It is really something. It is so powerful and it is so emotional. I remember Katie like, so vividly being distraught. That was the first time. I think all of us, all of us had these interactions with pop culture when we realized, oh, I can actually care about a fictional character more than I care about the people around me. Yes, <laughs> and exactly. that was the first one where my parents were literally like, are you okay? I could not get a hold of myself as I was reading the end of it and just needing days to recover from it. And I kind of felt almost betrayed. Reading was so fun, but then this thing comes along, it just breaks your heart. And I just remember being absolutely destroyed by it. Yeah. My dad, I brought home my stack of books one time in high school that we were going to read for the year. And he's, oh, of Mice and Men, one of my favorite books ever. It's so good. And so I read it. And then I remember running up the stairs with tears just streaming down my face and I threw it at him and said, why is this your favorite book ever? (laughs) It's one of my favorites that when I taught sophomores or was it juniors? I can't remember, but I also taught that one and also had to do the whole practice out loud at home. (laughs) So Texas teachers or Texas people will appreciate this, but there's a book called A Paradise Called Texas that's about a little girl and her family that come from Germany 
when Texas is not even a state. Mm. And there's a chapter in there that I never made it through reading it out loud to my class without just absolutely sobbing, which they thought was hilarious. But sometimes I'd have to pass off the book to somebody else and be like, you got to read this because I can't like get a handle on myself. And I had read it six years in a row. You'd think by that point I could handle it, but no. Oh my goodness. What books could do to us? Why do we do this to ourselves? (laughs) (laughs) All right. What else do you have on your list? Okay. So this one's happier. So my favorite book of all times, I will probably say this for my entire life is called A Prayer for Owen Meany by John Irving. We read it last year with some friends. It is just like a chef's kiss kind of book. Yes. But the only copy that I had was a mass market paperback copy, which Mm. I do not love a mass market paperback copy. They just don't feel good in your hands. You can't like leave them laying open. Yes. 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 Font is very small. And that book is a big, long book, right? So I was going through all my books and I was, I can't get rid of this book. It's my favorite book in the whole world. But I took a batch of books to half price books and I traded in the mass market paperback and found a beautiful, almost new paperback copy with this beautiful old truck on the front. And it is now in my bookshelf forever because I love that book so much. I love it. That is a good confession. And look how smart you were with, you know what? I'm going to take these old books. They're not serving me anymore. I'm going to trade it in for something that will spark joy every time I look at it. Very Cone Marie of you. Yes. (laughs) I know you also had another one along those lines that has to do with bookstagram and book covers, right? Yeah. So at the end of each month, I like to put together a little collage of all the things that I read for the month. And then I share that on Instagram and also get shared to my author page on Facebook. Well, sometimes when I read historical romance or something, some of those covers are a little iffy. (laughs) Yes. So luckily Goodreads has a swipe over thing where you can look at all the covers that they've ever published with. And sometimes the UK covers, they're killing it over there in the UK uh-huh. with their book covers. Always. So yes, gorgeous. sometimes I like to just go through and look at the covers so that I can pull the pictures for my collages, even if that's not the book cover that I read, but I want it to look nicer. Yes, absolutely. I totally get that. And I appreciate when bookstagrammers or people on BookTok do that because I like to see the pretty covers too. I mean, mm. I totally understand that. And I absolutely agree. UK covers, they have incredible, impeccable taste when it comes to their cover art. What are we doing over here? I don't know, because I feel the Invisible Life of Addie LaRue, the book cover for here was cool, but the one for the UK was just like gorgeous. Yes, I totally, totally agree with that. That's so fun. Okay, I'm going to take a little bit of a turn here with my next confession. All right. (laughs) From the sweet childhood experiences of reading to not that much longer, but it was no longer innocent. I have to tell you that I got such a big education in sex ed from books. Not how my parents would have wanted me to, but (laughs) this was during a time when parents, eh, if your kid was reading, they're reading. That's great, right? They did not even look to see what the content was. (laughs) Yep. So I grew up in an era in a time when Flowers in the Attic by V.C. Andrews was such a popular book amongst my friends. How did we ever know about this, Katie? I don't know, but one of us would obviously have a copy of it. I don't think we checked it out from our school library. Maybe we did, but I don't think we did. And we would just pass it around, pass one. Somebody would read the first one and then that would make its way through the friends. And then somebody would somehow get a hold of the next book in the series. If you're not familiar with VC Andrews Flowers in the Attic series, it's a very strange book, gothic 
children into teenagers. The most bizarre coming of age story that you can think of. I feel by the look on your face, you have not read Flowers of the Attic. I have not. <laughs> I listened to Laura Tremaine talk about it. I Was it with you? It was with yes, somebody. With okay. Yes. And then I was, I somehow missed this as a teenager and I'm kind of a little bit glad that I did. And I don't know if I need to go back and revisit that, but. Oh my gosh. Laura and I did an episode for 10 Things to Tell You that is just about Flowers in the Attic. I will put a link in the show notes if you want to go listen to that. Uh, because she had the same experience. We didn't know each other at the time, but this thing where girls would just pass these books around. It's not a healthy view on sex, Katie. It's real oh. problematic. It's oh. real bad. Okay. First of all, the context for the love story is incest, straight up incest between a brother and a sister. So now, that. hold on. Let me stop you for a second. Were these written for YA audience? Oh, no, no? They, were okay. not, they were not written for teen audiences okay. at all. Okay. They were absolutely written for adult reading market. However, I don't know if it's because for something to be YA, technically the protagonist should be a youth, right? Is right. that sort of mm -hmm. our general classifier? And it is told from Kathy's point of view, she is a teenager, 14, 15, 16, when these books are taking place. And so, I mean, in a weird way, it is a YA book, but I don't think it was meant to be marketed towards kids. However, I do think it ended up on the shelves of a lot of mm -hmm. school libraries even without there being a really good understanding of what was happening content-wise. Oh. But again, it was the 80s. It was the 90s. It was a lot more loosey-goosey <laughs> <laughs> with what kids were reading. So there is a sex scene in that that's so problematic. It's non-consensual. It's real, real bad. But then the books that follow, still problematic, but they get spicier and spicier as you go along. Okay. And I am here to tell you that I got such an education <laughs> in relationships and sex mm -hmm. and sexuality from those books. And I look back on it, I'm so conflicted because it was a real education more than <laughs> you were going to get in sex ed class for sure, or that your parents were going to talk to you about. But then also, where were my parents? Oh, gosh. <laughs> it's so funny as I was reading through some of the awesomes confessions, some of them also indicate that mm -hmm. they got a real education in romance and sex and sexuality from the books that they read. And we talked all about this on my episode here on Sort of Awesome with Ali Hoff-Kosick. She does the SSR podcast, but we talked a lot about how these books from our childhood and teen years really teach us so much about the way the world works. And yeah. a lot of mine, it's startling to me to say came from Flowers <laughs> in the Attic. Now, it's so interesting to me too, Katie, because that has influenced how I view reading material for my kids. Mm -hmm. I am plus having almost gotten my master's in library media science was like nine hours away, but just like that formation of kids and access to literature and how good it can be, how powerful it can be. I am so not a censorer. And so mm -hmm. me either. we're pretty open-ended with what the kids can read around here. However, different from my parents, I do try to have follow-up conversations, right. engage them and well, what did you think about that? And were you expecting that? And in those kinds of things, kind of to use the books that they're reading, the material that they're reading as a springboard to talk about some of these issues as much as they're comfortable talking about it. So I do think that reading such racy, spicy material that was, again, I really cannot emphasize this strongly enough, so problematic <laughs> when I was in middle school, in a weird way, it did kind of shape who I am as a parent in terms of there's stuff out there that kids are going to read and it's not the end of the world, but it would be good to have some context conversations around it. Right. 
I didn't read anything as racy as that, but I remember reading, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. And then she has another one, I think, called Deanie that had some period stuff and some sexual stuff. And I remember being like, oh, this is a book. I'm allowed to read this book. This is kind of strange. Yes. But I love what Judy Bloom did for kids was to make periods and things like that normalized. And now I've read so many middle grade books lately where that is just a thing. The girls know about it. The boys know about it. It's not an issue. Nobody's grossed out about it. And I really like that for our younger generation. At least there's more awareness about what's happening. Yes. Our bodies. And it's not so taboo and weird. So it's so true. Judy Bloom was such a pioneer, such a trailblazer for so many conversations that I'm so glad, like you said, that now are just completely normalized in Mm -hmm. being written for middle grade and YA kids today. So that's pretty huge. All right. What else do you have on your list? Well, I'll just piggyback off your flowers in the attic business, but I read 50 Shades of Grey when it came out. I had two friends that were like, should we read this? I don't know if we should read this. And so the three of us read all three of them, but I refused to buy them and I refused to check them out at the library. So I, well, I guess I did kind of buy them, but I did buy them and put them on my Kindle and I read them very quickly. There was a lot of clicking through once they <laughs> got started on things. I would just go, ooh, ooh, ooh. And- <laughs> So I read them all. We talked about them all with my girlfriends. And then I promptly deleted them from the Kindle library. So there's no evidence that I read them and they're not even in my Goodreads, which is funny because I was, we're just going to pretend that didn't happen. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love that. Were you an adult by at this point? Yes, I was an adult. I was young, 20. I don't, well, I don't even know when they came out. I was in my 20s somehow. And it was still kind of giggly funny. I'm not embarrassed now to say that I read them and I probably read some open door romance things that embarrass me, but this one was a little different, but they were still really entertaining. (laughs) (laughs) I feel your pain on that, especially we've talked about this so many times in the show. It's so awkward when your whole family shares an Amazon account and you're an adult grown woman who wants to read material for adult grown people. And then it's like, but also my children have access to this now. It's so troubling. I get it so much, so much. Okay. Well, the last one that I wanted to talk about for myself, and I think you have one more to share with this, Katie, but the last one I wanted to talk about, this is probably my biggest confession. And that is that reading podcasts and also just Amazon reviews, good read reviews can be so bad for me because Katie, what I will do is just listen to people talk about books or uh-huh. read reviews about it and be like, all right, I read the book. Oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> So true. If I get a good sense of what a book is about and I really read the reviews, I see what people didn't like about it. I see what people loved about it. I'll be like, that was such a good book. (laughs) That's hilarious. (laughs) And honestly, as I think back, I think I might have to blame Reading Rainbow. Oh, I loved Reading Rainbow. (laughs) I know. LeVar Burton was so great at teasing books. And then he got people to come in and do their book talks and Mm -hmm. kids are doing their book talks and those types of things. I love that show so much. I mean, I would just mainline it like it was a drug because it was just people talking about books. Mm -hmm. And I just loved the little, you got a little bit of an experience of a book, but you don't have to take my word for it. I loved it so much. And to this day, I mean, I honestly, there's a lot of times where people will be so compelling in how they talk about a book that I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, I have to read this now. But we all just have such a limited amount of time that sometimes I'm like, well, I'm just going to go read all the reviews on this. (laughs) 
hey, that's a strategy, right? I can take it right off of the to be read list because I might as well have read. (laughs) In that same vein, I loved Wishbone. I don't know if you were around for Wishbone, but when I think of classic novels like Rip Van Winkle, I think of Little Wishbone (laughs) sleeping forever. And I have never read that book, but I feel like I have a good handle on the plot of it. So I totally get it. So funny. I know there's so many readers right now that are like, how dare you? (laughs) That is not the same thing as reading. And I know, listen, I was an English teacher. I know it's not the same thing as reading, but truly just to kind of get a good sense of a book, we are so lucky to live in the age that we live in where people can just tell you how awesome books are. Yep. I actually had to stop. So I had to stop reading reviews before I read the book because sometimes that would just color my whole opinion of the book before I started. So I'll sometimes look up the star rating, but I try not to read any reviews till after I'm done to say, oh, yeah, just because I want to go in there without prejudice, I guess is the word for that. Yeah. And two, I do feel for the most part, book reviewers are pretty good at spoilery stuff, marking spoilers and those Mm -hmm. types of things. But sometimes they let just a little bit slip in to the point where you at least go in suspecting a thing. And I don't like that experience either. either. So yeah. Okay, I feel like you have one more to share with us before we get on to our awesomes bookish confessions. Well, this one's just a little bit silly, but I recently found out that my hair is not in fact straight that I had thought my Mm. whole life, but you guys talk about curly hair all the time. And then I was getting out of the shower and I was, my hair is curly when it's wet. So what's going on here? So I just have been playing around with just some mousse and some curl stuff. And it's really not curly, it's wavy. But in Texas humidity, if you let it just air dry and don't brush it, it gets very big, right? So, but I have found that my big hair is a very good hider of my AirPods. Uh And so I like to leave my hair down and big. So when I'm cooking breakfast or something, I can just like pop that in there, listen to my audiobook, and ignore all the chaos that's happening around me. And nobody knows because it's under my big hair. I am so on board with this strategy. (laughs) I love it so much. That makes so much sense to me. Okay, well, those were confessions of the bookish variety from Katie and I. When we come back, we're going to be sharing some from the awesomes. And don't forget, we've got a little bit more reading awesome to share with you at the end of the show. So we'll be right back. Hey, friends, as you know, small businesses have always shown an incredible ability to adapt, innovate and survive even more so this past year. Now, another way you can adapt and grow is by finding the right people to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs helps you do that for free. Get started by posting your job for free to reach LinkedIn's vast and diverse network of 740 million professionals. Fill out targeted screening questions to get your role in front of the most qualified candidates with the experience, skills, and motivation you need for your business. Then with simple filtering and management tools, you can easily review, rate, and hone in on your top candidate. LinkedIn Jobs can help you hire the right person for your role fast. And your first job post is free. Just visit linkedin.com slash awesome. That's linkedin.com slash awesome to get your first job post for free. linkedin.com slash awesome. Terms and conditions do apply. This week's episode of Sort of Awesome is sponsored by Moink. And guess what? It comes with a story time. So a few weeks ago, we got our very first delivery from Moink. Moink delivers grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb 
pastured pork and chicken, and wild-caught Alaskan salmon right to your door. They help family farms become financially independent outside of big agriculture. So we got our big box of meat delivered from Moink. And the very next day, I pulled out a package of the grass-fed, grass-finished ground beef and the ground lamb. I put those together. I made a really simple recipe of Italian meatballs using our meat from Moink. Friends, I have to tell you, those meatballs were gone in a flash. From the toddler to the teens, Kyle and I, we finished them, we polished them off. Everyone was asking for seconds. My family loved those meatballs. And that hardly ever happens where every single person at the table is asking for seconds. But that's the thing about meat from Moink. Their animals are raised outdoors, their fish swim wild in the ocean, and Moink meat is free of antibiotics, hormones, sugar, and all the other junk that you find in prepackaged meat in the meat aisle. When you sign up at moinkbox.com awesome, you're going to get a year of ground beef for free, and then you'll pick what meats you want delivered for your first box. You can change what you get each month and cancel any time. Join the Moink movement today. Go to moinkbox.com slash awesome right now. And listeners to Sort of Awesome are going to get free ground beef for a year. That's one year of the best ground beef you'll ever taste, but this is only for a limited time. It's spelled M-O-I-N-K box.com slash awesome. That's moinkbox.com slash awesome. All right, Katie, we had so much fun reading through all of the responses that those book nerds over in Sort of Book Nerds shared with us. I love that there were some big themes that came out Mm -hmm. as we read through the confessions. A lot of us who grew up enthusiastic readers were the kids who were reading in the car. If you're just going down the street to go out to eat with your family or go to the doctor's office, you're reading. That was totally me. Mm -hmm. Reading at the table. I cannot tell you how many times I got in trouble with my mother for reading at the table. She was, put the book down. That is rude. We are having dinner. (laughs) I have to do that to my own kids sometimes still. Just reading everywhere. Mm -hmm. A lot of our awesome chimed in with their own stories of being emotionally distraught over the ending of a book, sometimes in public places. That's the worst, right? When you're in public and you're like, I'm a reader. So I'm sitting in the doctor's office waiting room and I'm finishing this book and I'm sobbing uncontrollably. Yeah. It's never good. Always have sunglasses if you can manage it. Good plan. Yes. Another one that I thought was so funny, a couple of people talked about changing the content of books to make them more kid appropriate. I found myself doing that when I read the Little House on the Prairie series to Mm. my girls when they were much younger. I would come across things and I'd be like, nope, not going to read that. And so I would change it a little bit, which Mm -hmm. on a philosophical level, I don't agree with. But then (laughs) as a mom with the little kids, I just kind of naturally did it. And then some people telling stories about how their parent had done that to them, changed the content just a little bit. And then years later, <laughs> for example, with Old Yeller, they oh, found out what Lord. the real ending was. That a Friends episode, right? Where Phoebe, she's like, no. And then they, it's fine. They're like, no. I forgot about that. Yes, <laughs> exactly, exactly. But so there was some big themes that came out. Like I said, Katie and I pulled out some of our favorites. Katie, why don't you kick us off with our list of These are from the awesomes, their readerly confessions. Okay, so Jessica had this whole thing. She fell asleep listening to Red, White, and Royal Blue, which is, I believe, a YA, and it's a little bit open. It's a little bit of an open door YA, young, new adult. New adult, yeah, NA, yeah, definitely, yeah, in that category. But it's definitely open door. Yeah, and so she said, we all got in the car this morning to go to church, and our Subaru automatically starts Bluetooth and picks up with the last thing you were listening to. So the car... Loudly said, they fell sideways into bed, grabbing greedy handfuls of each other before I could frantically hit the power button on the stereo. My seven-year-old was, that was weird. And my husband snickered all the way to church. 
Oh my gosh, that's so perfect. Of course it happened on the way to church when your yep. kids are in the car. Oh my gosh, I laughed so much at that. That is one of my favorite reads from the past, well, at least from the past year, I would say. And it's great on audio too. But yeah, you gotta be careful about those Bluetooth picking it up. In my car, unfortunately, it'll turn on, it'll be some kind of true crime podcast and oh. we're immediately in murder and yeah. those types of things. <laughs> Mine, since I listen to audiobooks so fast, my kids can't really understand usually when it comes on because if it comes through my earbuds, it's okay. But if on the car stereo, it sounds like little chipmunks talking. And so it's usually okay. But I do, I'm like, turn off, turn off, turn off. Yes. Okay. I had to pick this one from Lori Lynn, our social media director. Mm -hmm. She listed this as her confession. I thought this was so cute and funny. She said, when I'm writing my reviews, I pretend that I'm a famous book critic and I get paid big bucks for people to hear my thoughts about what I'm reading. I love that. And I love that people do take the time to take their reviews seriously and thoughtfully because, hey, I'm the one over here reading it like now I've read the book. So right. thank you, Lori Lynn, for writing good reviews like famous book critics do. Yes, I love that one. This one I had to pick because I'm in Enneagram 3. We talked about this on our last episode, but mm. Claire said, Saying I finished a book on Goodreads really motivates me. If I'm not loving a book, but I'm about three quarters through, I will skim it and technically finish it just to say that I did. Is that the most Enneagram three thing ever? As a three, what do you say to that? I say, good on you. <laughs> that is still an accomplishment. <laughs> I have done the same thing. I try to get, if I get that far in a book, I'm going to finish it. Because if I don't like it, but like I said, if I don't like it, it just like disappears from the Goodreads. So it doesn't look like I didn't finish it because I can't handle not accomplishing something. Oh my gosh, that is hilarious. And I love it. Yes. And as Katie mentioned, if you guys have not heard our last episode, Katie and I's together, we talked about the intersection of Enneagram and reading life and all that. I'll put a link in the show notes so you guys can go find that because I think it was really good. We discovered a lot about ourselves, didn't yes, we, with that? That was a fun one. Okay. Well, awesome. Katie said, when I was a child, I snuck into my bathroom to read my books because my dad would bring a book to the bathroom and I wanted to be just like him. I thought my mom would be mad at me for reading too fast. So I would lie and say, I was a little stocked up. <laughs> I thought I had fooled everyone. But as an adult, my mom confessed that she knew I was not spending hours of agony on the toilet. To this day, I have fond memories of reading the American Girl books in that claustrophobic bathroom with green tile and floral wallpaper. I thought that was so that funny. Awesome. And yeah. a lot of number of awesomes chimed in and said, oh my gosh, I did the same thing. I would mm -hmm. take all of my books to the bathroom. Sometimes growing up, that's the only peace and quiet you can get. Sometimes as a mom, that's the only peace and quiet you can get to me. <laughs> so too. I get it. <laughs> that too, yes. That was funny. Okay, so this one, I'm gonna leave her name off of this because it's very funny and also maybe a little incriminating, but... One of our awesome shared, I once rear-ended a landscaping truck and totaled our car because I was trying to read while driving. <laughs> My husband still doesn't know that that's the real reason for the accident. But in the end, it worked out because no one was hurt and our car was super old and we didn't have the cash to replace it. So with the insurance money from the crash, we were able to buy a nicer used car. Well, then it kind of all worked out in the end. <laughs> which I thought was funny. I don't know that I've ever tried to read while driving, but I probably have. So if I just don't remember it, that's a little dangerous. That is some commitment to reading right there. We don't recommend it, no. but <laughs> that's what audiobooks are for, friends. <laughs> yes, exactly. Thank goodness for audiobooks for sure. Okay, this next one is from Renee. She said, this can be 
controversial, but I sometimes read the ending of stressful or suspenseful books to make sure everything turns out okay. I've done it my whole life. It's the main reason I can only read audiobooks that mm-hmm. are very light or nonfiction because it's so much harder to flip to the end when you're listening. I love this. I can see how this would be controversial, but at the same time, I've been known to do this sometimes, especially the stressful ones. Mm -hmm. I will go ahead and take a peek at those last pages just to see which characters are still in the mix. That's what I do hate a spoiler, but I will sometimes if I'm like, oh, is this person going to die? I cannot handle this person dies. I will kind of skim through the last couple pages to make sure their name's still in there. (laughs) Yes. A couple of people chimed in on this idea as well, saying either that they did that or maybe someone in their lives who is their mom or sister, whatever. People who are really big readers, Mm -hmm. they're not trying to cheat the system, but they just really want to know, does everyone make it out okay? I just need to know before I emotionally invest in these characters. Yeah. Sometimes if you know something's coming, it's a little easier to handle it. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. Okay. And this last one I had because A Prayer for Owen Meany is my favorite book of all times. I had to share this one. And so Awesome Page says, when I was in my early 20s, I was finishing A Prayer for Owen Meany at a friend's house before a party. Even though the party started and I was supposed to be with everyone, I hid out in a bedroom so I could finish (laughs) reading it. After I turned the last page, I went downstairs and joined the party while weeping and speaking incoherently about the story, as you can well imagine, if you've ever read Owen Meany. Oh, I love it. I love A, that you're hiding in a bedroom in a party reading a book because, hello, I would love to do that. And also this book is just one of those books that you just love it. Mm. It does. I mean, I sobbed the second time reading it when I read it last year. So it's a good one. Yes, absolutely. I also love that idea of just being a fully grown adult and just being like, I'm just going to be in here just for a few minutes. (laughs) I mean, I call this the point of no return, right? You get to this point of the end of the book. I will tell my husband too. I'm like, dude, sorry, the light's going to be on for a little longer tonight because I cannot go to sleep if I don't finish this. Yes. I have reached the point Mm -hmm. of no return. Every reader knows that point. Absolutely. Yes. Well, that kind of leads into this last one that I wanted to share from awesome Jill. She said, well, this isn't my bookish confession as much as parenting fail. I woke up in the morning of the statewide testing for third graders to emails that someone on my Kindle account had finished several books from 11.43 p.m. to 4.47 a.m. The then eight-year-old was snoring in his bed, Kindle still in hand. My husband and I both thought the other one had taken it from him that night. She said, we now have a small tile on it, so we know where it is at all times and hide it each night. I think this is the most precious story I have ever heard. Yes, I love it so much to imagine that your kid is just so intriguing at eight. Oh my goodness. An Mm -hmm. eight-year-old and just be like, I've hit the point of no return on all of these books. I got to keep going. (laughs) At five o'clock in the morning. That's pretty. Yes. I can't believe it. My husband, Kyle, used to do this too. This was obviously years before Kindles existed, but he loved those Western stories like Larry McMurtry, those style of books. And he had a stack in his room and long after lights out, he was the kid with the flashlight reading through the night, just couldn't put it down. So yeah, I love to see kids who are that engaged in reading for sure. So as we talked about earlier in the show, we both have a little extra awesome of the readerly variety to share with you guys, because we do know so many of our 
awesome community are just super into books and reading, and we want to make sure that you are tuned in on all things good in this area. So Katie, what did you want to talk about? So everybody knows that we love the Currently Reading Podcast. It is the hosts are Katie Cobb and Meredith Monday Schwartz, who are awesome. But they are doing a really neat thing with their Patreon community that I just wanted to make sure that everybody knew about. So their Patreon community, it's just $5 a month to support them. But every month on the first Thursday of the month, they are getting an indie bookstore to hand sell the readers of currently reading five or this month, we got an extra bonus one there. So there were six, five books that their booksellers think that our community would love. Now, Meredith and Katie have put together these amazing spreadsheet data things of our favorite books as a group. I mean, there's a thousand patrons for currently reading right now. So there's a thousand different readers and a thousand different opinions. So they have kind of compiled our favorites and our least favorite books. They've given these to the booksellers and the booksellers have chosen for us, hand chosen. These are the five books that I really think your community would like. And then Mm -hmm. the patrons can go directly to the indie bookstore and order from the indie bookstore. So we're saving the indie bookstores. We're getting hand-sold books from these booksellers who are fantastic. And the first bookstore that they are using is actually in Waco. And I've been there and it's called Fabled and it's amazing. And they are shipping books out the next day because they are ready to go. They are so good. Their customer service is amazing. And so this is just a really fun Patreon bonus thing that they're doing for us. And Katie and Meredith don't make any money off of it. It's just a really great way to support the indies and the books that they pick. Some of them are backlist, so you can get them in paperback. They're not all brand new, mm-hmm. but they're just books that you maybe not have heard of, but these right. booksellers have read and loved them. And I think that's a really fun thing to do. So I wanted to make sure everybody knew that if you want to be a patron at Currently Reading to go ahead and go do that because that's one of the great bonuses. I love that too. I love an independent bookstore. Through the past year or two, I think a lot of people have begun to reassess the relationship with Amazon. I mean, mm-hmm. many of us, I literally can remember starting on Amazon when it was only books there. That mm-hmm. was all you ordered from there. And so for many of us, we do have that long standing relationship, but many of us have started to reassess our business dealings with Amazon, but then it can kind of be like, well, if I'm not shopping from there, where do I go? And also what do I pick? Mm-hmm. So this is so great. If you are looking to support with your dollars, an independent bookstore, we have a great one here in Oklahoma City called Full Circle Books. And they've been doing this for years, like an actual printed newsletter with indie picks in it. Mm-hmm. And years and years ago, that is how I discovered Rainbow Rowell's Fangirl was oh. a little blurb in their newsletter about Fangirl. And I was just always so thankful to Full Circle because they brought Rainbow Rowell into my life. But so, yeah, I love that. And Katie and Meredith, the way they crunch numbers, oh my gosh, yeah. my brain does not think that way, but <laughs> I'm either. so glad that other people's do. <laughs> So you and I are both patrons of them. They're doing fantastic work. And of course, we love that show because they are awesomes and they're doing awesome work for the reading community at large, really. So love that. Speaking of the reading community at large, my little bonus awesome that is of the readerly variety is I've talked about this on the show, but I really need to emphasize this again, you guys. I know not everybody loves TikTok or the idea of TikTok. However, if you are a reader, you got to go check out at least the corner of TikTok that's called BookTok, B-O-O-K-T-O-K. Katie, do you do TikTok? Are you on there at all? Okay. I don't. I'm scared oh, too. It's okay. I'm afraid that I will never do anything else. Well, okay. I'm going to start texting you just individual TikToks like from BookTok because the thing about BookTok is it's incredibly diverse. You're going to get people of every ethnicity on there. 
younger people, older people talking about all different kinds of things, fantasy books, YA books, classics, just book talk alone is worth the price of admission, which is free on TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) Now that caveat is real. You can really spend a lot of time there. There's no Mm -hmm. doubt about that. But once you train your TikTok algorithm to live on book talk, I cannot tell you guys enough. It has brought so much enrichment into my life, not just hearing book recommendations, which it's a lot of, but just to see the vast diversity of people who are doing this. I'm talking about people from every spectrum when it comes to sexuality, like I said, ethnicity, even different countries. If you feel like you ever are hearing just the same kind of books being talked about from the same kinds of people and you Mm want to expand your reading universe, get over to TikTok, use the hashtag BookTok. Oh my gosh, there's so much good stuff. And it's a lot of it's so clever and fun and thought-provoking, challenging. I can't say enough good things about it. So I will text you some stuff, Katie, so you can vicariously live through my algorithm. (laughs) Also, maybe give me some rundown on how to make the algorithm do what I want. Okay. Yes. Yes. Maybe I could try that. That's the great and terrifying thing about TikTok is it will learn you very quickly. Mm -hmm. It'll be like, hey, if you like reading, you might like this. So. All right. Well, those were our readerly confessions, you guys, both from Katie and I and from the Austins. This was so fun. Katie, thank you for this idea. Yeah, this was so fun. I'm glad we got to do it. Lots of laughing. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Well, as we started confessing going on. Absolutely. As we've talked about, you are definitely part of the corner of Instagram known as Bookstagram. Mm -hmm. So if people want to come find you to talk about books and reading or just anything else, where can we find you all around the web? I am at Katie Proctor Writes and Reads. And then I also have a Katie Proctor Author Facebook page on Facebook. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much. If you want to find me on social media, you can find me at Sorta Awesome Meg. And of course, if you want to find the show, just search for Sorta Awesome on whatever social media platform you are on and you will find us there. So we look forward to having lots of good readerly and bookish conversations with you all to talk about this. We'd love to hear even more bookish confession. So you guys, thank you so much for listening and we'll see y'all next time. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.